And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. We welcome you to this morning's broadcast. We thank you so much for joining us. Today, we conclude Pastor Elliot's sermon from Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 29. Verses 25 through 29 point out some pitfalls with religious rituals. Please do not miss the fact that religious rituals are all around us. Be discerning. Remember, religion and salvation are not the same. And now, with his message for this morning, please welcome our very own Pastor Robert Elliott. Romans 2, 17 to 29 is titled, Religion Without Salvation. We've seen the privileges of the Jews. We've seen the professions of the Jews. We've seen the prosecution of the Jews. We've seen the Jews profaning God. And fifth in your outlines, we now see the rituals of the Jews. The rituals of the Jews. Verses 25 to 29. For indeed, circumcision is of value if you practice the law. But if you are a transgressor of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. And if therefore the uncircumcised man keeps the requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? And will not he who is physically uncircumcised, if he keeps the law, will he not judge you who through having the letter of the law and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, neither is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the Spirit, capital S, by the Holy Spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. The rituals of the Jews... In these particular verses I've just read, the particular ritual that is cited as an illustration and teaching point is circumcision. And the Jews uh, took their refuge, their safety blanket, in their religious rite of circumcision. But they were content with the sign of covenant without keeping the covenant. They were content with the sign of the covenant without a saving faith in the giver of the covenant. And can't we just get so religious ourselves if we're truthful and honest? Can't we just get so religious and do about the same? Maybe not with the, the rite of circumcision, but can't we get ever so religious today to other rituals that we could cling to that would be instead of simple, childlike, saving faith in the finished work of Jesus? What rituals, Pastor Rob? Christening, I hear people say, we want to get the baby done. Confessing sin to a human priest. Ritual. Giving some things up for Lent. Ritual. Ashes smeared on foreheads. Ritual. Receiving last rites. Ritual. Blessing pets in worship services. I love my pet, but you're not going to see him in this sanctuary getting blessed. I had some English friends. We had some English friends the last place we lived, second last place we lived, and they were very nice friends, and they were Anglican or Episcopal. I believe the wife was born again, trusting Christ alone. I'm not so sure that 
her husband was. But they were walking down the street one Sunday afternoon with two big English sheepdogs. And they said, oh, Pastor Rob. Good afternoon. We had Aussie and Binky to church this morning, and the priest blessed them. What do you say? So I said, well, they do seem to have a special glow about them. <laughs> Ritual. Blessing pets in worship services, lighting candles as a certain grace, uh, saying our, our fathers, genuflecting, praying with beads. All of these Things are more about ritual than about a relationship, a living relationship, a growing relationship with a risen Christ. They are more about a church and a dogma than about scripture. They are pseudo, fake, man-made refuges. They are not the real McCoy, authentic, genuine, sufficient, strong tower of the Lord. Jesus himself is the strong tower of the Lord we cling to. And so please hear me, dear family. Nothing but God's grace, activated by total trust in God's Son, will gain us peace with God in heaven one day. No ritual, no religiosity can do that. My favorite golf tournament, I I do a little golfing because it boosts my prayer life. I'm so lousy. My favorite golf tournament is the Masters. Early spring, Augusta, Georgia, those beautiful azalea flowering bushes uh, bordering the pristine golf greens. And the master's champion of the tournament is always fitted for a handsome green jacket. The green jacket at Augusta is a ritual, a ritual which is only meaningful if the man wearing the jacket at the end of the tournament is actually the tournament's champion. If some employee of the golf course got into the closet with the green jackets and put on the green jacket, it would be hollow. It would be a sham. It would be worthless because the man inside that green jacket may not be able to even hit a golf ball 100 yards. Ritual, not the place to rest our confident trust. 28 and 29 again, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, neither is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter, and his praise is not from men, but from God. One can most definitely have religion without salvation, Nothing, again, I say it again, nothing but God's grace activated by one's total faith in Christ's person and work can bring a sinner peace with a sinless God and a forever home in heaven with that wonderful Lord and Savior. Nothing. And so I wonder which you have. I believe tonight that the vast majority of us here this evening have salvation and not merely religion. Salvation takes us up, but ritual takes us down. Now let's move it off of the question to you, my brothers and sisters tonight. Let's move the question more broadly. Which of the people who are the closest to you, which of those people have religion? 
and which of those people have salvation. It could be that the person who sleeps in your bed as your mate only has religion and not salvation. It could be the person that sits beside you in the pew Sunday by Sunday only has ritual and not yet salvation. It could be the person in the work area beside your work area Monday to Friday has ritual but not yet salvation. That is huge. That causes us great responsibility. That we would not be like a Jonah who wants to pick who he's in heaven with to hang around with. That we wouldn't be here and there, spotty, inconsistent, partial about who we share the good news of Jesus Christ with and who we don't bother to do that with. When we look at these verses that really say there's such a thing as religion that isn't saving, there's such a thing as ritual that doesn't bring a genuine salvation from sin, we need to consider the jewel of our Savior. We need to ponder afresh the beauty of our salvation. It was Englishman John Wesley, the 18th century evangelist and founder of Methodism, who had religion long before he had salvation. John Wesley grew up in an Episcopalian or a Church of England Anglican family. He became a deacon at the tender age of 22. He was ordained an Episcopalian priest at the age of 25. And he embarked on a three-year missionary journey from England to Georgia in what is now the United States at the age of 32. However, it was not until John Wesley met some German Moravians on the ship traveling back to England from Georgia that he was first introduced to the concept of salvation being by faith in Christ apart from merit or human effort. Later, after landing in England, a Moravian, Peter Bowler, led John Wesley to salvation by faith alone when he already had been a very religious man. Wesley was 35 years old, bought out of the slave marketplace of sin by the precious blood of Christ set free from that slave marketplace of sin, never to have to return to it again, freed from that slave marketplace of sin, that we would do the bidding of our Lord and Savior to bring honor and glory to Him as clay vessels. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, another edition of Youth Talk. And today we want to conclude our, our session on the family feud and over the next two weeks. And we want to look at the idea of something that we all need. And when we consider that, we all need love. We need to love one another. Showing love to your family shows your love for God. And the question is, what is love? You know, what is love? There are songs that are, you know, talk about love. Um, love is a word that we throw around so many times. You know, we say we love ice cream. We love this thing. We love that thing, you know. But what is love? What does love look like? You know, the Bible is very clear, and the Bible has a whole chapter on love. And when we consider what love is in the Bible, we need to recognize that it's a lot different than the love that we today, the definition that we have. As we consider 1 Corinthians 13, 
And we look at verses 4 to 8, and it says this, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. Or some would say love never fails. Again, as we consider this particular passage, the Apostle Paul is very clear on what love is. He's talking to the church in Corinth and telling them, this is what love is. And when we consider this definition, we consider these things, we need to recognize that we go by this. And we, can, we go back to our family. We go back to, you know, the problems that we have. We need to remember this. Love is patient. Patient is, is a difficult thing. Patience is one of the hardest things, I think, for most people. Most people are impatient. Again, as you drive around our roads, you can tell. The light turns green. One second later, there's a horn behind you that's telling you to move. Love is patient. We have lost that. And when we consider this in the family aspect, we need to be patient with one another. And that's what's so difficult for us sometimes. Because we want instant things. But also continue to love is kind. You know, we want to be kind to one another. We want to respect one another. We want to be there for one another. We need to recognize that this is something that God is telling us this is what love is. And I think that when we consider this, and we consider just love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant. We don't love someone to boast about it. We don't love someone and say, I did this for you. This is why we need to love one another. No, we need to love. We need to show this by the way we conduct ourselves daily. Again, verse 5 is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Think about that. How many times have you kept a record of the wrongs someone has done to you, especially in your family? You know, we say we forgive people, as we looked at in, you know, a couple of weeks ago. But what happens when that person wrongs us again? Do we bring back the whole record of all the different things they've done to us? Is that showing love? The Bible is very clear. It does not keep a record of wrongs. Why do we keep a record of the things people have done to us? Why is it? Why do we just, you know, do when we say we forgive them, we, we bring all the things back up again? I would say that in that case, you haven't truly forgiven someone because you just keep on bringing back and you keep putting it back in their face. And that's not what God wants us to do. That's not what love is. Love is not keeping a record wrong. Think about it in this sense. What if God kept a record of your wrongs and he brought that to you every single time you messed up? We would be in trouble. But the Bible says he forgives us. And only God can really forgive and forget. But we as human beings need to forgive and don't bring it up. Verse 6 says, Love finds no joy in the unrighteous, but rejoices in truth. Verse 7, It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love is something that when we think about it, we go through problems, we go through trials, we go through different things. We need to fight for love. We need to fight through those things. We need to endure all those things. And this version, the CSB says in verse 8, a, it says, love never ends. Love never fails, some virgins say. So what is real love? Real love is selfless. It's the kind of love that says, you first. 
when you think of the family and you think of this whole, you know, as we've been talking about the family feud, if we were selfless and we, we were a you-first type of attitude, it would help a lot of things. Number two, real love is sacrificial. It's a kind of love that says, I'll go last. I'll let you go. I'll let you do what you have to do. But the most important thing is this, is real love is spirit-led. I can't do all these things on my own, neither can you. And we need the example of Jesus and the help of the Holy Spirit in order to treat our families with this kind of love. Again, we can't do this on our own. When we think of a loving in our family, we think of love, it is difficult because we are dealing with people. Again, as we think of our own lives, we have to ask ourselves, are we always lovable? Are we always a person that's easy to love? And the answer is no. We cause a lot of stress sometimes in our families. But our parents love us. God loves us. And I think that, you know, when we consider that, you know, the problems that we have in our families and the feuding that goes on, we have to trust and know that love conquers it all. You know, we don't just keep a record of it. We don't just say, oh, I'm going to keep on bringing it up. But we must love and, and don't bring it up again. We don't need to bring back the, the, the wounds that may have already been, you know, dealt with. And I think that's what happens so many times in our families. I think that this is what we see so many times as we look at around us. We look at our world and, and we see that's what the problem is, is that it's a lack of love. And when we consider this in our families, and we consider that, that what we've been talking about these last couple of weeks about the family feud, you know, there have been many people who say love conquers all. Love is what we need to remember. Love is what we need to put in the forefront of everything. And if we do it with love, people see that. But if we do it out of just obligation or we do it with just because we're supposed to, it's not the same. Love is what we need in our families. We need to say it to each other. I love you. This is why I love you. Because this is what you've done for me. Again, as we look at the world, they have changed what the meaning of love is. It's a word that's thrown around. But when we consider the love and we consider the definition of love, all we have to do is look at what Jesus Christ did for us. That was selfless. It was sacrificial. And it was a gift for us. So I challenge you this morning as we close. Would you love your family in the same way, sacrificially and selfless? And be led by the Spirit. Because when we're led by the Spirit, it means that we don't have control anymore. This is Pastor Nicholas, Minnesota of Utah. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Good morning. I'm happy to be in the radio studio this morning with uh, my friend Patrick Rutherford. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Bahamas. Uh, yes, indeed. Patrick serves as the regional director of the Precept Ministries for the Caribbean, helping everyday Christians to get into God's Word, to observe it, to interpret it, and then to apply it to daily living. Mm -hmm. Patrick. Yes, sir. We are going to talk about the passage of a boy to manhood. Yes. And uh, as you well know, recently you and I were part of a group of men, maybe 10 men, who uh, had a ceremony for a young man who was... Um, just past being a boy, mm -hmm. and we were gathered as Christian men to recognize that passage and uh, tell our listeners some of what that looked like. <laughs> well, it, 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 it was something that uh, 
you just had to be a fly on the wall just to be able to watch it all. But certainly there was this young man who we had gathered together to in a atmosphere of thanksgiving yes uh, for his life thus far yes and then to be able to speak life into him as far as what is to come and all of the men challenged him from a spiritual standpoint but i think also too from a covert standpoint uh, pastor rob all those men who were there were basically saying you can follow my life you can watch me if you ever need a, a model or a template to look at. Yeah, being a part of that, that was powerful. Yes. In our, our different ways, different gifts, different vocations, different stages with the Lord, mm-hmm. I, I sense the same. Yes. Um, we share Bible verses Absolutely. that we wanted him to th- consider. And mm-hmm. um, we had a, a, a brother in Christ come to, into the circle by Skype from the U.S. That's right. That's we right. did. Uh-huh. And um, it was a very special time. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that experience ceremony was was particularly good? I think everything about it was good. I think this should, it, it should be modeled. As a matter of fact, I'm excited to do it for my two sons. Excellent. Uh, but I am, I, I was rudely awakened, Pastor Rob, when I dropped my oldest off to school for a freshman year. And I was keenly made aware of the fact that my role as father was being, uh, the pause button was being hit. Mm. And my role more as a coach and mentor, advisor, was now coming to the fore. But in parenting, Pastor Rob, I've also realized that God's given us help within the body of Christ. And I'm not the only man who my son or sons will ever be around. That's for sure. And so um, why not invite those men, those godly men whom he's around on a regular basis to be a partner with you, so to speak, in helping to raise that young man? There are things my Cadmiel and Joshua probably won't ever bring to me as a father. Mm-hmm. Um but they can go to other men who they may be able to speak in confidence to and get good godly response from. And so that environment, that manhood passage environment, uh, shows that young man or would show that young man. And by extension, that young woman, if the woman just decides to do it as well, yes. um, that, hey, my mom and dad are serious about this. And they're, they're putting resources in my way that I can tap into at a moment's notice. I agree. I, I also sensed that um, there was a moment where it was not necessarily said, but it was very clear that we were going to gently hold this young man accountable. Yes. That he wasn't just going to float off to college and we would never think about him. But we were going to pray for him, Mm -hmm. and we were going to check in with him when he came home for Christmas or for any other break, Mm -hmm. summer, Mm -hmm. and that we're interested in him. We love him, Mm -hmm. and we're we're interested in his progress. Mm -hmm. I also thought it was good that, uh, to varying degrees, the men uh, opened up to the young man and to each other about uh, the pitfalls of being a man, the temptations that men face, the failures Mm -hmm. that it's easy to uh, experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, this particular young man is in school right now in the U.S. And uh, Pastor Rob, he's not a bad-looking kid. 
Uh, yeah. And uh, he's got some good basketball skills. Uh-huh. And he's got a raw bone Bahamian accent. That's going to be attractive <laughs> to those girls. Ah, uh, yes. And so, um, yes, having that, uh, those men hold him accountable. How are you doing in this area? Are you keeping your relationships pure? Yeah. And so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's so true. I think that the lesson, one lesson to take out of it, too, was it took total intentionality. Uh, this young man's dad organized this. Yes. He personally invited all the men. Mm-hmm. He brought the refreshments. He, sure he made you the chairman of the, of the time. <laughs> I'm not and, sure that was the right decision, but <laughs> ah, the, Lord, the Lord used you. But this doesn't happen just by mistake no, or, oh, look what happened. We've got a right to passage of my son to manhood. What do you know? That's not how it works. No, sir. No, sir. As a matter of fact, Pastor Rob, several years ago, the first time I saw it was a pastor uh, whose son I taught. And his son had turned 12 years old. And uh, this pastor was in the North Carolina, in the Raleigh area, uh, where there are three schools, Duke University, University of North Carolina, and North Carolina State University. And this pastor had a ministry to athletes, and his son was an athlete. And what this pastor did was he brought all of these Christian athletes, men, to his house. It must have been close to 100 men. Wow. For his son's 12th birthday. And I was invited to give a three-minute challenge to his son and to watch that young man stand in the middle of all those men. And they're looking at him. You had football plays, basketball plays, baseball plays, every sport you name it there, who just loved the Lord and loved on him. And to hear us all just stand there and pray over him and, and sing praises to God and just challenge him. That young man today is still in contact with me, and he'll tell you, He'll tell you that a lot of those men still stay in touch with him. How wonderful. That's fantastic. Absolutely. And uh, he'll never forget that. He won't. He will never <laughs> he forget won't. that. He won't. And that's something that is uh, such a positive to remember the rest of your life. Absolutely. Well, listener, I don't know if you have sons, but uh, if you do and you think this idea has merit and, and utility, then I encourage you to uh, organize it. There's no one way to do it. Uh, you can ask the Lord to help you know how to do it and just do it. That's right. As a matter of fact, just celebrate those milestones in that young man's life. Yeah, whether it's him turning, uh, learning how to tie his shoelaces or tying a necktie or a bow tie or his first pair of stitches from the hospital. Celebrate it. First fender bender. That's <laughs> <laughs> coming out of your allowance. Oh, man. Thank you so much, uh, Patrick, again, for your, your wisdom and, and your good humor. And uh, we trust that uh, Bahamian boys who know Jesus as Savior will be helped to make that passage to becoming, becoming Christian Bahamian men. Amen. Our country needs a lot of men. Yes. Godly men. Amen. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684 Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.